All right, welcome back to the big program. Just after 10 o'clock in Edmonton, Kevin Carey Show with our co-host Grant Fuhr. And really excited to welcome in our next guest, a former teammate and good friend of Grant's, uh, Freddie Brathwaite to the show. Freddie, you're with Kevin Carey's Grant Fuhr on Sports 1440. Welcome to the program. Hi there. How are you guys doing? Just doing great, doing great. And you just saw Grant uh, less than a week ago or so. I did. My nice friend took me out for dinner, which was awesome. <laughs> wow. That must have been uh, fun, exciting to kind of catch up, I guess. Yeah, no, it's always good to spend time with Grant and uh, actually with his wife as well. So, yeah, no, we had a good time, a nice dinner. And uh, actually, I think we even won the game the next night, too. So it all it was a good road trip overall. Well, part of it wasn't good, but other than that, it was good. <laughs> Well, well you, we split on the weekend, so it was all good. Yeah, all so just for our listeners, Freddie, your uh, goaltending coach with uh, Henderson, what's this been like? You know, like Grant was a goaltending coach, uh, you know, with uh, the Coyotes for many years and now doing uh, color analyst uh, for Coachella Valley. But for you personally, uh, what's this experience been like for you to work with Henderson? You know what, it's been a great experience. I mean, uh, we've had some good coaches come through. Obviously, had some pretty good goaltenders as well, and have a good group right now. Um, but you know what? The organization's been great. Uh, it's given me an opportunity to be still around the rink and around these guys, and it's not too bad living down in Vegas either. So um, it's, it's been a great experience so far, and hopefully uh, just get more experience and then hopefully move up to the next level at some point. Yeah, Grant, you must be kind of watching from, you know, afar, looking at a, at a guy that you played with and seeing what he does and uh, how he's kind of relating his kind of expertise to these goalies. What do you think of the job Fred's doing? Freddie's doing a great job. I mean, he did a great job when he was with the Islanders as well. So, I mean, the goalies seem to play well against us, so obviously <laughs> he's doing something right. But... <laughs> so, Freddie, I mean, when you had – uh, you know, a legend like Grand Fear that you were in Calgary with, and this is going back to the 2000 season when you guys were teammates. What do you remember about that year that you spent with Grant in Calgary? You know, I, I mean, I don't want to bring him up too much, but uh, I mean, Grant was my idol growing up, um, and then getting an opportunity to play with him and then actually become roommates and then becoming friends. Um, I mean, I learned a lot just just being around him, just what kind of pro he was and um, how I had to kind of conduct myself as well to try to stay at that level. And, um, I mean, I I think the best thing for me was just becoming friends with with Grant and and having a lot of things to share. And, I mean, besides the ice, also talking about golf and and his family. So um, I've learned a lot from him, and I, I think I've grown as a person just because of that. Your recollections, Grant? I think we had a lot of fun together. I mean, when I first got traded to Calgary, first off, I wasn't sure I wanted to go to Calgary. And then I finally ended up going and where were we? Got to Phoenix. And I knew Freddie and I would hit it off. When I got to the room, he'd already had cheeseburgers ordered. So (laughs) we we got off on a really good foot. (laughs) Who who got the remote in the room? Not you, Fred, right? No, I didn't. know. I knew better. I just threw it over on his bed, and that was it. <laughs> um, just that, that year that you spent together, and you touched on it a little bit, Fred, but when you have the experience and the success that Grant had uh, prior to coming to Calgary and, and sort of kind of winding down in his career, uh, what did what did you take from all the, I guess, the wisdom and everything that he kind of offered you at that point of your career? 
You know, I, I think the one thing about Grant was obviously he was a, a big competitor, and, um, but he enjoyed he enjoyed coming to the rink. He enjoyed. I think that's why he played as long as he did because he enjoyed uh, being there. Um, and obviously, you, at the rink, you, you do what you have to do. But then when you left the rink, you, you had to get your mind away from that too. So just for, from that, um, just learning how to to um, can't use the right words here, but to do stuff at the rink and then be able to take your mind away as well and then enjoying it. I mean, I think that's why I played as long as I did is because I enjoyed coming to the rink and that's something I got from Grant as well. Do you remember that Grant kind of telling, you know, Fred or even other goalies you worked with or other teammates to, um, you know, work on that separation of what you're doing at the rink and then away from it? That's part of sports psychology. And if you're grinding over what you do 24 seven, you're going to get burnt out. You're going to get worn out where you can give it a hundred 110% at the rink, but you got to have something to do otherwise. Mm -hmm. And it's something I learned early, something I believed in and something that I tried to pass along. Kevin Carey's Grant Fuhr on a beautiful Tuesday morning here in Edmonton. We've got Fred Brathwaite, a former teammate and friend of Grant's, uh, with us uh, on this show. And before you got to Calgary, Fred, of course, you were here in Edmonton, spent a couple of seasons here. Uh, just your recollections of how you got to, to Edmonton and the time that you spent here. Yeah, I mean, I that was the first place I played. That was the first place where they kind of gave me an opportunity uh, Glenn Sather, Teddy Green, Ron Lowe, those guys were all part of their organization at the time. And um, I mean, I came to Edmonton as a walk-on. I, I came to training camp, really not expecting too much. Um, and just kind of way things worked out, I got an opportunity and signed for uh, three years there and played with Bill Ranford and then Curtis Joseph. Um, ended up meeting some really good people. One of my best friends, Luke Richardson, Right now, uh, Jason Arnett. So we, I mean, we had a young group. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't that good at the time, but uh, we had a lot of fun. And as I said, it was the the city, um, the organization was great, and I have a lot to give to them because they did give me my first opportunity. And then, uh, I mean, I was able to play 19 years of pro hockey after that. So um, I just remember, even still to this day, coming into Edmonton people kind of recognize me and I really just sat on the bench the whole time. So, um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're, they're great fans and they know their hockey and um, they're, they're great to their players. Grant. Uh, you know what? I think uh, for Freddie to just walk on and play as long as he did, mm -hmm. it goes again to my pet peeve where everybody thinks goalies have to be six foot five. Well, guess what? Freddie's not quite six foot five. I'm very close, though. <laughs> You're close like I am. It shows you just have to stop the puck. And if you've got the right attitude, which Freddie had right from the get-go, good things will happen. And that's the fun of it, is he enjoyed the game and he played the game the right way. And it showed in a long career. Did you feel that, Freddie, that you were, you know, I don't if it pigeonholes the wrong word or maybe it is the right terminology just because you were an undersized goaltender when everyone was looking for someone that was six foot three? Um, you know what? I mean, at that time, the, the height wasn't as big of a thing. I think while I was still playing, it kind of crept in. And, uh, yes, I mean, uh, during those times halfway through my career where they were looking for the bigger guys, 
that's where I knew I just had to kind of keep putting my head down and just kind of keep working and, and control what I could control. Mm-hmm. And um, that was probably actually another thing that I learned from Grant. It was just control what you could control and not worry about the outside noise. And um, so, yeah, I mean, going in there, going – I mean, there were still guys. Uh, Andy Moog was still playing mm-hmm. when I started off. Uh, Mike Vernon. Those guys weren't big guys, but those were guys who were very talented, obviously, Grant. But, I mean, those guys were talented who worked hard and, and uh, just stopped the puck. And that's, that was the biggest thing. If you just stopped the puck and you got an opportunity, you just had to run with it. Grant? Yeah, that, that sums it up perfectly is you got to stop the puck. Man, you look at Dustin Wolf right now playing for Calgary. Mm-hmm. He's not a big guy. Like, he's a bigger guy than we are, but he's not a big guy. He's but six foot, maybe six one. But all he does is stop the puck. And it, it's great to be six five, six six, but at the same time, a guy five eight, five nine can still play the game. And I think that gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. And Freddie's a perfect example of that, is that you don't have to be a giant to play the game. It's what's going on between your ears and the belief you have in yourself. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, Fred, wanted to always ask you this question, going back to your junior days in Oshawa. How dominant was Eric Lindros when you were playing uh, with the Generals? Oh, no. I mean, we had a good team, obviously. I mean, we won the Memorial Cup, but, but Eric was it, was, it was unbelievable. I mean, he was, I don't know what he is, 6'4". Yeah. He was 16 years old. Um, he was strong. Um I mean, every day we went on the ice, he did something that kind of impressed you. And uh, also just the way he worked. I mean, we're, we're talking about goaltenders and how they work, but he was a guy who worked hard, um, and, and he put the time in. I mean, we saw that when he got into the league. Uh, unfortunately, concussions and all that stuff came in near the end of his career. But, I mean, this guy was a kid playing with men and still dominating. And it was, I was lucky to be a part of that. Uh, to see him kind of even grow from a 16-year-old to even 18 to 19. Mm-hmm. Kevin Carey's Grant Fuhr on Sports 1440. Our guest is a former oiler, former teammate of Grant Fuhr's and friend, Fred Brathwaite. And Fred, when you're working with these young goalies, all the goalies, and again, with the Islanders and even to the, right now in Henderson, what's the one or two messages that you're trying to, you know, to relay to them to build them up and, and try so they can be the goaltenders that you want them to be and that they think that they can be? Yeah, I think, I mean, <laughs> what Grant said is just to kind of have belief in between their ears, you know. Um, I mean, we could talk all technical and all that kind of stuff, but just mentally trying to keep them mentally strong and, and trying to have their game to be consistent. Um, if you could be consistent in the net and work on the same fundamentals that got you there, um so we work on stuff like that and obviously just trying to watch a little bit of video, but we're not trying to change the way they play. I just try to help them work with what they got and, and things that they're not great at. We obviously we work at a bit, but obviously stay with what they're good at and try to keep them mentally strong and keep them prepared for any kind of opportunity. What was your experience, Fred, after you left the NHL and then ended up going over to, to Russia and, and Germany? What was that experience like for you to kind of close out your career overseas? Uh, I, I mean, I was very fortunate to go over there, uh, see different parts of the world from hockey. Um, Russia, the hockey was great. Uh, the money was obviously pretty good too. But it was just for a good opportunity for me to see some different cultures, learn 
some different things. Uh, and, and then they ended up playing over in Germany, which was awesome, um, which was a great country to play in as well. And meeting new people, uh, learning new cultures. And for me, it was just an opportunity to still play at a high level. And um, as I said, I was lucky enough to play until I was 39. And, uh, and then, as I said, I got to see different parts of the country. Mm-hmm. And, and um, it, it was awesome. It was awesome. I wish I wish I'd kind of did it earlier and then kind of made my way back over to North America because I learned a little bit more about my game as, as time went on. I always kind of close out these interviews, Freddie, with a chance where you can ask Grant a question or, Grant, you can ask Fred a question about anything going back to your days as teammates or, or anything like that. So if, if you get one in the hopper, go ahead, and if someone wants to shoot, uh, let her rip. It's all you, Freddie. <laughs> yeah, all me. Okay. Well, I, I don't really have any kind of – I don't have anything. I'm just going to say, like, Grant, if, if you do need an extra guy for that golf tournament – you just you have my phone number. That's all I'm saying. Hey, you know you always have a standing invite. <laughs> okay. Oh. Uh, you know what? You guys can be nice to us this week. Uh, yeah, you guys play again, right? Henderson went. We play seen... tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. Actually, you know what? If he could give me a cheat sheet on the goalies, that would be good too. <laughs> That'd be, make my job a lot easier. Oh. Well, <laughs> you'll get you'll get to see Stetch again. I'm guessing. Oh boy. So. Okay. All right, that's perfect. And Fred, one last one. How tough was it to play with our buddy Sean Bell over in Mannheim? Oh, you know what? I had to take care of Belzy. <laughs> Belzy. <laughs> you know, we had a great time. Uh, Belzy and I, we had a lot of fun over in, in Germany. Um, what a great person. So you guys work with him day in and day out? Oh, I see him. I'll see him. There's an Oilers alumni skate uh, this afternoon. I think I'll, I get to lucky enough to uh, take part in that. I think Belzy's on the list for today, so... Get to okay, see him down well, there. please say hello, and please tell him just to smile just once. I know he's always grumpy. <laughs> yeah, isn't he? So, eh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Fred, really appreciate your time, and I know you had meetings and everything, and you squeezed us in here today. So thanks for doing this, and we'll talk in the in the future soon. Thanks thanks a lot. No problem. Thank you, guys. Thanks. I really appreciate we'll talk it. talk to you soon, pal. Yeah. All right. Thanks. That's Fred Brathwaite, uh, former NHLer, teammate of Grants in uh, Calgary, former Edmonton Oiler. When we come back, we will uh, tee up tonight's Oilers-Columbus Blue Jackets game with the Columbus uh, Blue Jackets analyst Jody Shelley. That's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show with Grant Fear. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program, uh, 1020 in Edmonton, as we tee up tonight's uh, Oilers-Columbus game now. And our puck report brought to you by Fountain Tire. Fountain Tire is more than just tires. They offer a wide range of auto repair and services from their expert mechanics. mechanics. Visit FountainTire.com to see all the uh, mechanical services that they offer. As we welcome in uh, Jody Shelley, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets analyst. Jody, you're with Kevin Carries and the Hall of Famer, Grant Fuhr. Good morning. Thanks for uh, hopping on Sports 1440. Well, it's absolutely my pleasure and uh, great to be on with you guys. Thank well, yeah, we've talked quite a few times over the years, and I'll probably see you down at the rink here in about an hour or so. But uh, to be on with Grant, I know that kind of perks everyone's ears up. Have you got a, a, a memory of Grant when you were kind of, you know, going through, you know, when you were a younger player and watching one of the best of all time? Well, yeah, I have many. I mean, I was, uh, when they asked, they asked me yesterday, yet Brandon texted me to do this interview. He said, Grant Fuhr, I said, immediately, yes. I mean, Grant Fuhr was part of my childhood with all the... Uh, Oilers in the 80s. I grew up in Port Hardy, B.C. on Vancouver Island. Yeah. 
So it was Saturday nights and, and all week just following the Oilers and what they were doing. And it was, uh, I mean, he was incredible uh, part of that team. So one of my favorite players, of course, um, in that entire group. So uh, anything that stands, I mean, hoisting the cup all the times he did and being a part of this community still is uh, terrific. And Grant, you've watched Jody play for many, many years. He's one of the toughest cookies to ever ever don a jersey. Uh, your recollections of Jody just uh, in his NHL career? No, definitely one of the toughest guys that played, but knew his role and knew when it had to happen and when it when not to. I think that was the greatest thing is he read the game extremely well. And coaching against him, you knew that. So, no, it, fun mm-hmm. to coach against him and fun to see how he understood the game. I think that's the biggest misnomer about the tough guys is that they don't know the game, they don't understand the game. And Jody, I tell you, it's a hard job probably the hardest job in hockey, but at the same time, they're very intelligent. And Jody was very smart when it came to when to create havoc and when not to create havoc. Yeah. It's funny that you say that Grant, because Jody, you'd say the same thing. You almost have to know the game better than the average bear because you have to know uh, where, what kind of line you want to walk there. Yeah. You know what? It's interesting, right? Because you say it is the toughest job in the game, but, there's a lot of gratification uh, to, to, you know, it's such a great team sport and we always knew where we fit in. You know what I mean? It was like um, in the locker room and the intangibles, it, it didn't matter about outside, you know, what accolades or how people really thought about you. It was the guys in the locker room and the looks they gave you at certain times and how you could hop over the boards and be like, you know, I don't want my teammate to feel this way. I'm going to go out here and, and, uh, make sure he's comfortable. And for me, it was Rick Nash uh, in Columbus, you know, Joe Thornton in, in San Jose, and Claude Giroux is a rookie. And, and some of those guys where you're like, you know, this guy, these guys are feeling a little too comfortable out there. So it was a great role. Uh, but that's the greatest thing. And I, that's the one thing I think we all miss, Grant, is that locker room feeling. You know, after a win, taking the helmet off and looking around, everyone's happy. And it's like, geez, we all did our part here. Whether it was a, a hit or a fight or a, a conversation, it was just – that was our job as, as 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 tough guys was to understand the temperature of the game, the mm-hmm. temperature of the locker room, and, and you know you played with some of the best that did that, and uh, you guys had the ultimate success. But for me, as a you know a guy that played over a decade in the NHL, it was finding my niche and making sure I rode that as hard as hard as I could to stay in the league. Go ahead, Grant. No, I have to agree with you. Is that's winning is the fun part. And the guys in the locker room, that's the one thing you do miss when you finally get out of the game. But, again, it's – I'll still say in today's game, that's the one thing that's kind of missing is they don't have the guys to let your stars be stars. And that was the great part of the era that we played in is you had guys that allowed your best players to be your best players where they didn't get bullied. And you look in the playoffs now, guys get bullied all the time. And the fact that back then – if you bullied a player, guess what? You had to pay a price. Fines don't do anything. I'm still of the essence that suits will never make the game safer. The players made the game safer, and they've kind of taken that out of the players' hands. And Jody hopefully will attest to that, that I thought it was a safer game back then. Go ahead, Jody. I think it was, too. It was more of a – it was more of a, you know, it's hard to explain it, but it was – we took care of it ourselves in a way and everybody knew it, but I think, you know, the way 
there was less cameras, which I'm not saying you got away with more, but you know, there was less there was less scrutiny on every little play that happened uh, within the game, and guys understood it, and the referees understood it. The relationships that we had with the refs, I mean, the old guys that used to just they would tell us straight up. They come over and say, "Hey, you two idiots! You guys either fight, or you're both getting kicked out of the game." And then we look at each other, and we're like, "All right, we better get this over with." Mm-hmm. You know, this is after jawing at each other and 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 playing that game. And you know, there was numerous times where the refs were they were in it with us. It was the personalities. It wasn't the scrutiny of the call or or the missed call or the you know the video review or the bad call. It was just part of the whole game. Every single night, every single game had its own storyline. And I felt like the rest were a part of it, and they understood our roles, and we were allowed to do it. And that was a part of policing it, and it was it was expected. And I think it was also expected of teammates in situations where you're there on a team. That means you have to stand up for someone. You have to get your nose in there, and that's what brings teams together. I, I like the element that it's still in the game. I think it should be used a little more. I think that, you know, if tough guys play tougher, like if I didn't have to play tough, and I could have played third line and, you know, fourth line and just forgot about fighting, that would have been great. But I had to make that a relevant thing. I had to make sure every three games that we were fighting, Mm -hmm. even when guys didn't want to fight. I saw George LaRock in Columbus a couple weeks ago, and he said, Shelly, you never took a night off. I said, no, George, we had to keep this going. Like, you know, we had to keep fighting. It's part of of what it was. But now, guys, you know, know, there was nights I didn't want to do it, of course, but it was like you got to – keep that going and now guys have the option they're trying to play where it's like ah you're letting it fall out of the game a little bit it's not just the game it's the guys in the game who are letting it fall out Jody Shelley our guest Kevin Carey show with Grant Fuhrer uh, so Jody Columbus rolls into town here against the Oilers and it's been a tough season uh, for the Jackets just have not been able to get on on track and on many fronts just your overall take from the start of the season to where the Blue Jackets are right now yeah, you know, they are a young team again. And uh, this is a team that decided a few years ago when guys started leaving, um, you know, like Dubois wanted out, Seth Jones left, Nick Foligno. A lot a lot of the core they had here, Panarin and Bobrovsky, we knew they were leaving to free agency, but they shifted and they went for draft picks. So now we're, we're in a spot. We're not quite where Vancouver was last year. They had all that talent. But there needs to be that kind of growth. They're, they're, they're going through it where they're setting the foundation for, you know, the future, which our fans hate hearing, and I, and I don't blame them. But, you know, there, there's there's young mistakes each and every night. And our head coach, Pascal Vincent, has come in a tough situation at the beginning of the year, uh, and he's just held guys accountable and trying to change uh, the way things work in Columbus. And, and it's been – there's been glimpses of how this team is supposed to, to play. When they win, when they have success, they're starting to understand what it looks like, uh, and that'll be good. And, and, you know, they haven't been on a road trip like this, so, you know, this is one of those building moments where you get out in Western Canada and you spend 10 days together on the road, and, you know, that's what this team, where this team is now. They, they play hard. Uh, they're starting to understand their system very well. Uh, they still have a number of injuries, but overall – they didn't take a step this year. They kind of took a step back to take a step forward. Um, and I, I brought up the Canucks because if you look at the Canucks last year before Tockett and Foot and Gonchar got there, you know there was there was something missing within that locker room. There was some there were some some guys that were playing for themselves and not for the team. And they've got them playing as a team. Now, they have more experienced skill than the Blue Jackets, but that's kind of what we're hoping the future looks like: is a team that plays together and plays hard and, and it's team first mentality. 
Grant? So with everything that's going on in Columbus, what is going on with the goaltending? Geez, you would know better than I would, I guess. But it's, uh, you know, you got Elvis Merzlikens there who wants to be a number one, but there's times where it's a little bit more about Elvis, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's a team game, and I know there can be an element of, um, you know, it is about me a little bit for, for goaltending, but he's just taken himself out of the picture a few times, and he's a good goaltender. He's a guy that has the athleticism. Uh, he wants to be the number one, but there was a couple times where within games he made decisions and, and the coach didn't like it, and he's holding everyone accountable. So they had a three-goalie uh, rotation. They let him take some time off to work on his game, and he wanted to get back as the number one, and he made it a public statement about it. Uh, and now he's he is. They've moved Spencer Martin on waivers, so now they're, they're trying to give Elvis the ball here. Tarasov's a young goalie who's got a lot of potential, but he's, he gets hurt a lot. So they don't really know what he's established uh, being able to do. Uh, so that's the one and two here. And then, you know, in the minors, they've got a guy named Jack Greaves who's doing a heck of a job, but he's not quite ready. So the goaltending here, it's all on Elvis Merzlikens, I guess, right now. We'll see. I mean, he's uh, he's been a little bit of a I – I don't want to say distraction, but it's just been a little bit not congruent with the room. And, and that, that's given the, a team that's losing uh, – a tough time to deal with some of those situations he's put them in. Yeah, I love your take, Jody. A little bit too much me instead of team. Uh, Jody Shelley, uh, Blue Jackets analyst. Is and I don't cl- know if that's how goalies are. I mean, I want to ask Grant. <laughs> well, is that, do you see that? I mean, I don't know how you you were. To me, you look like you were you were in there with the guys all the time. But there might have been moments where yeah. you were like, would you call the guys out and, and be like, hey, let's let's get our let's get our act together. No, it's more about team. I think that's. That, it has to be about team. That's the biggest thing is you're there to do a job and you have to do your job and not worry about what anybody else is doing. And if a goalie's doing his job, and you, they see your body language. So if you've got bad body language, it runs through the dressing room. So I, in my side of it, I know if I've got a positive body language, then it translates into everybody else in the dressing room. So you have to, especially if you're going to be the number one guy, you have to have that positive image and guys have to want to play for you. You see that too, Jody, yeah, right now. That's that's the yeah, that's the thing. So that, that's I'm, I'm, it's refreshing to hear you say that because I, that's what I was expecting, hoping you would say because that's not what's happening. Sometimes the body language is off. You know, there's there's moments where it's it's not that calming feeling. Now this year he's playing much better. He's calmer in the net. He's not looking to make the highlight reel save every time. It's not about the action around him. He's just calm in there, and he's the a piece of what they're trying to do that night, giving the team a chance to win, which has been refreshing. And now it's been a more of a distraction since he made his comments. But yeah, I, we're hoping that that's what settles in here because that that's exactly what they need is just a goaltender. That's a pillar back there and, and leads the way with, with those moments when, when it gets to be a little chaotic. On that note, as we're speaking with Jody Shelley on sports 1440, how would you describe the play of Johnny Gaudreau this year for the blue jackets, Jody? Yeah, you know, he's been he's been pretty good. He had a really tough start to the season point wise. Uh Johnny Gaudreau is a piece of a line. You know what I mean? He's a complimentary skilled player. And it took a while for him to find chemistry with, with uh with line mates and they wanted him to work with Patrick Line. Patrick Line the shooter, Johnny the setup man, you think that would work. But that has not worked on five on five or power play. And Line being out 
it's given him an opportunity to play now with Cole Sillinger, who's been a real bright spot here for the Columbus Blue Jackets uh, as a third-year player. As now he's with opportunity with injury, he's been elevated to Johnny Goodrow's line with Chinnikov. And Chinnikov and Good and Sillinger uh, have chemistry, and now Goodrow is feeding off of that. Um, it hasn't been a great season, you know. It's it's a uh, it's another frustrating one for him. I mean, he comes in here from Calgary with that 100-point season, and, and, you know, he's a point-per-game guy, and, and he's fallen off a little bit this year. He'll get his points, but, you know, the, he needs more around him. Mm-hmm. He needs more players around him to be able to have more success, and, and that's just that's just how it is. And, and right now it, it, it's, it's one of those situations where he's got a lot of young players around him where – if he has a player that understands how to play with him, of course he's going to be great. But it's a, it's a piece that's played with a lot of different players right now. Um, he's not going to drive the play uh, a lot of times. Like when he's playing his best, he'll attract attention, then hide, and then he'll, he gets found again. Starting to find that a little bit with uh, his line right now, but it's it's not been consistent all year. Hey Jody, how are the Jackets looking on the injury front? How close is Zach Wierenski to getting back in the lineup? Yeah, they expect him to get back in this trip. I don't think he'll be. He won't be in tonight. Patrick Line is on the trip. He won't be in tonight. Um, they're getting closer. Uh, you know, they've had a lot of big injuries. Boone Jenner came back uh, last game. He's wearing a bubble. He broke his uh, jaw. He had to, so, you know, he's one of those heart and soul guys. Every guy, every team would love to have a Boone Jenner on their team or, or a D Boone Jenner. So it's good to have him back, but he's, he's still adjusting to wearing that full face mask. Uh, he's our all-star. He's going to the, the all-star game. Uh, it's good to have him back, but that's he's not himself, or he wasn't last game. Sean Corrales, another leader, was out. He's a good centerman. Uh, he's back, and, and that leadership part of a young group has been good. But they're getting healthy, but it's been a frustrating year for Line and, and Morinsky. I mean, the last two years, they have not been healthy. Grant, have you got one last one for Jody? Yeah, who would you say has been the best of your young guys? I would say Cole Sillinger, and I would say that, Grant, because he had he went to the minors last year at the end of the year. He had a frustrating sophomore year. Uh, came to camp not knowing where he was going to fit in, even if he was going to be on the team, because, you know, you end up at the bottom of the, of the league last year. You come in you, and you see new players, and you wonder where, where your job lies. So he's had to go back and earn everything this year. And due to, like, guys getting injured that I just mentioned, centermen, he has gotten an opportunity. And, and I think he's done a really good job of, of like just focusing on your role. We talked about roles in, in, within a team. And, you know, I think young guys come in and they want to do it all, right? They want to get the puck and do what they've always done. And every shift needs to be special. Whereas now he's focused on, okay, this shift, win the face off, make the pass, get on the forecheck. Just a real small focus. And that's led him to get some confidence. And now he kills penalties. He's now on the power play. So he's a guy in the last 30 days has kind of popped as, as a player. And for me, he is the bright spot. Ken Johnson has a lot of yeah. potential. He's a skilled guy, but he still makes young mistakes at wrong times. Adam Fantilli, uh, you know, he's the big draft pick from last year. He's 19 years old. Uh, he hasn't played this much hockey. He played 38 games last year in college. Now he's already played 45, and that was 38 over the whole season. He's played 45 here in the first three and a half months. And, you know, that's starting to catch up with him. But for me, Sillinger's now got that skin on him where he knows at the grind every night and he knows what to focus on, and that's why he's having success. i got to ask you one question about your career, uh, going back to when you came out of the queue, Jody, just uh, how you ended up in, in Johnstown with the Chiefs, of course, with the slap shot <laughs> angle. I'm sure you get asked about it all the time. 
Jingletown. I'll tell you, it's <laughs> funny. I was in, I was at Dalhousie, finished my junior career, and had a scholarship because I played in the Quebec League. And I was watching guys that I fought in junior: George Larocque, Gord Dwyer, Peter Worrell. They were all in the NHL, and I was there, you know, trying to study and and having a great time. And I. I uh, decided to sign a PTO with the St. John Flames, which meant I was going to lose my scholarship. So I lost my scholarship. I called my mother first, who was a school teacher out here in Sherwood Park, and she was in tears. No, Joey, you can't leave school. No, don't give it up. I said, i got to try it. So I went to PTO in St. John, went to Calgary Flames training camp uh, the next year, thought I was going to be at least in the American Hockey League. But within days, I was in Johnstown, Pennsylvania, saying, what the heck have I done? And, and then I started training here with Chris Dingman, Dave Cooper, and a guy named Mitch Connor at St. Joe's over here on uh, 9th Street and mm-hmm. uh, found out how to train as a pro and worked my way out of there with uh, with the Blue Jackets coming to in the, in the National Hockey League. And I tell you, Johnstown was an experience I wouldn't trade for any any anything. It was... I always say if I had played in South Carolina, the East Coast Hockey League, on the travel bus and the beach and, you know, the babes, I would still be there. <laughs> I was in Johnstown with a bunch of dudes, nothing to do, you know, hanging out and just kind of training our way out of there. And it was uh, it was one of those places that uh, there was there was only one way out, and that was to work it out. And, and that mm-hmm. ended up being the best thing for me. Well, Dinger's going to be at the alumni skate here coming up this afternoon, so you should see him down at the rink. I should have brought my equipment. I'd love to give him the old. <laughs> well, yeah, quick, I love Dinger. Quick, quick sidebar: We played uh, Dinger was playing in uh, about ten days ago. We had uh, an alumni versus media game, and Dinger was out there. He thought it was Game Seven of the Cup Final. <laughs> oh, it's so great! We used to do Perry Pern together, yeah. uh, and you know we had guys like. Uh, Jerome would be out there, Jerome McGinla, and I forget who else were the skilled. Nat Donicelli was out there. There was a lot of skilled guys. And me and Dinger, and they keep stats for the Perry Pern skate, right? Yeah. I, I, me and Dinger were leading the stats like the first five days because <laughs> we played it the first five days of camp. By the end of it, we were at the, you know, we were middle of the pack. But boy, we we always played it like it's game seven. And it, you know, is he still talking about how great his hands are? Oh, it's yeah. unbelievable. Uh, we were, yeah. <laughs> it's unbelievable yeah well, I love it. I, I'm sure you're going to be down at the rink so this skate's at 1245 so if you hang around after the uh, media veil for, for the jackets you'll be able to, to watch Dinger for a little bit I'll be hanging I'll be, I'll be there <laughs> chirping them for sure hey, hey Jody thanks so much for doing this uh, look forward to seeing you down at the rink here in the next hour or two uh, thanks for coming on hey it's my pleasure great talking to you guys thanks yeah. for having me on great talking to you uh, it's uh, Jody Shelley, Blue, Jacks, Blue Jackets analyst. Uh, he'll be down at the rink right away as Columbus is getting set. Oilers are just on the ice right now for their morning skate. Jody Shelley played 627 games. Granted, the NHL had 1,538 penalty minutes. So That's a lot of PIMS. It's a lot of quality minutes. Yes. <laughs> you know, and again, the, the thing that, you stand, that stands out when you talk to him, like, so he starts talking about the guys that were very appreciative of the tough job that he had to do in Columbus. So he mentioned Rick Nash. In San Jose, he mentioned Joe Thornton. In Philadelphia, he mentioned a young, young Claude Giroux. So those guys know exactly what it takes. And you saw it firsthand with the guys that were here. Yeah, we had Samank, Kevin McClellan, Donnie Jackson. I mean, you have, you have to have those guys to allow your stars to be stars. And it mm-hmm. creates respect in the game. That's the other thing is you don't get guys putting shoulders in the middle of somebody's numbers because they had a price to pay. Mm-hmm. Where now, 
you get a fine. Well, the guys are making so much money. That fine doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So it, I would rather see the players accountable. You're going to have to give a quick history lesson to the Duke grant about Kevin McClelland. What would you like to know about Mac? Other than he was a little crazy, definitely mean and fun to play with. Duke, you got no comment here. Well, just because I didn't, uh, what was the question you asked me? Well, I just didn't we were, know it off the top of my head. Yeah, uh, I said, do you remember Kevin McClellan and Duke was like, Because well. he scored the, the, the big goal, right? It was against the Islanders, right, uh, Grant? It was yep, like you a, got the one nothing goal in 84. Yeah. There you go, yeah. So there we go. We were talking about how the game, you know, kind of tightens up in the playoffs and maybe you guys were used to winning the, the high-scoring games, but then uh, the following year after you, you lost to the Islanders, you had to kind of... Um, change, change your evolution, change your uh, thought process and change your makeup a little bit uh, to be successful. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, you got to play good defensive hockey. And the first year we played the Islanders, we were playing high flying hockey and didn't work so good. We got swept. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden come playoff time, you have to tighten it up a little bit and you got to win the close grinding games. And we ended up winning that first one, one, nothing, which gave us the belief that we could win a cup. Mm hmm. Well, 1043 in Edmonton, uh, we're back to wrap things up with Grant Fear. Got a couple texts coming in about uh, changing numbers, Grant. We'll get your thoughts on that and talking about your masks. And I still got to ask you about Patrick Waugh moving into the head coaching job with the New York Islanders. That's coming up right after the break on the Kevin Carey Show with Grant Fear on Sports 1440. Stay with us. Okay, uh, welcome back for the home stretch of the Kevin Carey Show with Grant Fear on Sports 1440. Couple questions for you, Grant. Coming in from Wade. From Drayton Valley, uh, what was the reason for switching numbers early in your career? What's the uh, reasoning behind that, Grant? Well, I wanted to wear 31, but Eddie Mio had 31. So they gave me number one, and I had to wait till Eddie got traded away before I could actually switch to 31. And, I mean, that was your number in junior, right? 31? It was my number in junior. I wore it as a kid. So it's a number I liked and one I wanted to wear, but it was taken at that time. Yeah. And not like, I mean, if you were maybe a guy that got traded or an older guy coming in, would there have been a discussion with Eddie at all? No. no. I mean, Eddie was wearing 31, so that's, you respect the veterans. That's, yes. that's the way it used to be. You know what I mean, though? There's so many guys that come in, they might be Another a little older. buy it from the guy. Yeah, buy it, yeah. Can you imagine? They, you would, they didn't pay us enough for that back then. <laughs> you, you would have been giving Eddie a six-pack of uh, Molson Canadian or something. Um, Wade follows it up, Grant, with saying, uh, also, do you still have all those uh, awesome fiberglass masks from early in your career? I've got a couple of them. The one sitting in the Hall of Fame in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. So everybody can still enjoy it. But those those are still my favorites. So the one, uh, the, the mask for like on the cover or whatever you want to call it for making Coco, the documentary, that was done by Scorgi and Metz. The, which one is that mask that's on the kind of the cover of the, you know, whatever you want to call it the, for the program? No, that's the one sitting in the Hall of Fame in, it, okay. in the rink. That's the same one? Yeah. Um, how many did you have over the years, like total, do you think? Oh, geez. I probably, over the course of my career, wore maybe 20, 25. Wow. Some, were a lot, some were just different paint jobs on the same mask. How often did you get them done during the, the season, like a, a new paint job? Um, when I was young, I liked to change it up. Uh, my first few years, I didn't change it up. The first year, I changed it up a bunch. Once I got the first Harrison mask, I didn't change it up at all. Hmm. So most of the artwork was done early. 
And the design, did that design, did you have a 100% say or did you collaborate with someone? How did, how did that work? Yeah, when I first said, the first one I did was kind of just off the top of my head. It was kind of a, I like John Davidson's mask back in the day. Mm. So the mask I wore in Victoria were those colors. And then when I got to Edmonton, all I did was switch the red out to orange and wore that for a little while. Then we went to white and then we added some more color again. So it just kind of whatever popped into my head at that time. Yeah. What about the um, the protection value? How much did that change from when you when you started with the Oilers to kind of when you closed out your career, the the change in technology in that sense? Oh, it's night and day. Yeah. I mean, the first masks I wore, it basically like somebody hitting you over the head with a baseball bat, but you didn't get cut. Hmm. Whereas the later I got, when they started to combine the cage with the mask, it didn't didn't hurt near as much. Yeah. And then by the end of it, it was made to absorb the blow where the straps would pop if you got hit to take all the pressure off of it. So you weren't, the whole time you weren't really afraid of getting hit. But with the old mask, you knew if somebody accidentally clipped you with a stick or whether they clipped you on purpose with a stick, that it actually took a little bite out of you. Mm-hmm. Did you ever entertain, I don't think you ever did, but entertain uh, a lot of the goalies would wear, they covered their mask with a little bit of wire around the eyes. Like I think Tony O did that for a bit too, didn't he? Yeah, Tony O did that. I yeah. It's not something I tried. I mean, you just trust the mask, and hopefully that your hands are fast enough you can catch a puck. Do you remember the the one of the top two or three or one that you got clocked with a good shot right to the mask that, that kind of dazed you? I got a couple of them. I think Willie Plett got me one day from the goal line where he just kind of wasted one <laughs> that I wasn't paying close enough attention and took that one just above the eyes. I'm got clipped a couple of times square in the forehead. So you get no concussions back then though. Yeah. They were just headaches. So one question I kind of wanted to, I, about two weeks ago I went and I forgot about asking you Grant. So you know when Connor McDavid and all the other players are at the goal line and so Connor's coming in the left side and the way the goalies are playing it now against the post, they're trying to bank it in off the name bar, the side of the helmet. When you played though, that wasn't there because you were basically standing up and hugging the post. Is that fair? Well, I'd have been standing up facing the guy coming with the puck. Yeah, You're not worried about the guy in front. You're supposed to be able to react to the guy in front. So you stand and square yourself up and that shot's not available. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple other off topic questions that just getting texted. I want to get our uh, listeners involved. Husks said, uh, cause we had the Eagles song coming in uh, to this last segment. Have you ever seen the Eagles grant? Have you ever seen a concert with the Eagles? I have. I've seen a couple of times, and then they were just here in the valley what a week ago. Yeah. Okay. And you saw. Well, it's a little. It's changed now. It's guys are getting up there and have unfortunately passed on, but uh, still obviously great. Uh, from HVAC Nick, did Grant grow up without wearing a mask as a goalie ever, or did he always have one his whole life? No, I wore a mask my whole life. I tried it in a practice once without it, and it's not really that much fun or that exciting. So <laughs> we always wore some sort of a mask. Uh, back to golf. Croner wants to know, please ask Grant about his Scotty Cameron putter collection. Uh, yeah, I still have the collection. I try not to admit that, but yeah, I've probably have maybe 30 or 40 Holy of them. Holy cow. Oh. And do you it's use- cheaper than collecting cars, sort yes, of. Yes, it is. Yeah, by a lot. But do you use, have you used a lot of them or you just collect them? Some I collected. Some of them come in sets of three and four up mm-hmm. to six putters. So I collect those. I've got a pretty good collection of ones that I've used. I've got a collection of Betnardis. Wow. Since they came out and 
I've had the Bettinardi in my bag now for going on two years. Hmm. Uh, if you ever get out to Legends Golf Course, have you played Legends here, Grant? Do you know? Years ago. Yeah. So Ronnie Lyons is the owner. He's got a collection. He's got a big Quonset with everything you can imagine from old golf stuff. And he's got golf carts, which are the coolest thing to walk, to go in there and see, like, carts from whatever, 70 years old, maybe maybe older. So next time the you're... three-wheelers? Oh, three, every kind that you could possibly imagine. Uh, once again, great show today, Grant. Really appreciate your insight on everything. It was good to catch up with Freddie. Jody Shelley, had, uh, you guys had some good chemistry going on there. And what's on the go with uh, uh, Coachella Valley Firebirds? What's the schedule like? And uh, what's your, your broadcast schedule like? Uh, home games or road games here? Uh, we're pretty quiet. The boys are playing Vegas or Henderson tomorrow night. And then they head on the road to Texas for a couple of games. And then we don't play back home till next week where we've got Calgary in town again. Hmm. So a little, so I'm, I've got a little golf going on this week. <laughs> you, you can take out a few Scotty Camerons for a test drive. <laughs> uh, we got a member guest over at the vintage. Oh. So we're going to have some fun with that. Do you know who your guest is? Not Freddie. He's actually, I'm playing as the guest. Oh, you're the guest. Oh, okay. Yep. Well, that's I got cool. a good friend of mine that's a member over there. Well, sounds like a lot of fun. We had fun today, uh, or definitely I sure did. Uh, appreciate you coming on like you every every Tuesday, Grant. Uh, thanks to all our guests today. Uh, Dave Burkett, Mark Spector, Frank Saravalli. Hey, Brent Sake, world's longest game getting underway later this week out at Sakers Acres. Freddie Brathwaite, Jody Shelley, and of course to our, uh, our co-host on Tuesday's Grant Fear. Thanks a lot, Grant. Uh, we'll talk to you next Tuesday. I look forward to it. All right, that's Grant Fear. Coming up at the top of the hour on Sports 1440, it is Fantasy Frenzy with... The former Ross Shep T-Bird. Connor Halley and the Duke of Delburn at 12 o'clock. The Lowdown with Alan Mitchell. Jason Greger drives us home from 2 till 6 on the Jason Greger Show. And Greger just kind of tweeted out a little while ago, basically the same lineup the Oilers are going with. Stu Skinner will start tonight against Columbus. We'll have a full postgame report tomorrow morning with our co-host David Schlemko, the former NHLer. Uh, thanks to you, our listeners, for being a part of our show, being a part of uh, interaction, texting, and uh, just to really be uh, involved. We really, really appreciate that. Top of the hour, it is Fantasy Frenzy. Before that, time now for a Sports 1440 update with the lovely and talented Donovan, the intern. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock.